Okay, welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 120. Our first dart hit a triple 20, then we got another triple 20, third dart fell out the board. And that's not the first shitty darts reference you will have heard on this show. Uh, we got World Cup, we got the Matildas, the USA bowed out, and of course, the Premier League kicks off this week. So I hope you're all ready to get back into full night shift mode, staying up late, watching all the games. Let's go. Tommy's here to join me. How you going, man? Excellent. Tilly's up. I'm filled with national pride. At like, how how good is everything right now? Wow, we'll get to it. Uh, Cooper's also here. How you doing, man? Good, Sammy. Good. Good. Nice and efficient. I love that, guys. Well done. Um, let's jump straight into the Matildas game, Tommy. I don't know where you want to start with this one, but just great to go through. They're up and about. They're up for it, and looks looked pretty comfortable in the second half. Did look comfortable. Um, the in you the know the half. I think. In the second half, the main thing that came out um, like in the post game was mature, mature performance. And I think that was said by everyone, pundits, Tony G, the lot. Um, It was, I suppose, mature because we did end up comfortably winning this game. But the first 20 minutes was something else. Yeah. Um, If one of those, you know, if one of the chances go in, the the early half chances didn't really create anything, you know, full, you know, full chance, full cut. But if one of those go in, it's a totally different landscape and the Tillies are up against it. Yeah, agree. Um, agree on mature and just professional. Um, the last two Matilda's performances have seemed to have come from nowhere. I'm not sure whether it's senior players standing up more so. Obviously, Razo was great against Canada. Um, but I've given her a lot of shit during this World Cup. Um, but Caitlin Ford, outstanding against Denmark. Yeah, she, she stood up, didn't she? Um, on, on her home turf, I think she said in the build-up that like she loved the atmosphere in Melbourne and she wanted her home city to try and re-deliver um, that kind of uh, environment. And to get 75K out there, I think really spurred her on and inspired her to give her best performance in this World Cup. Um, she just she showed the quality that she possesses, I think, when you play her wide. And I listened back to the pod we did last week and I... I didn't want to just completely bag Caitlin Ford. I wanted to make the point that like she is definitely better for Australia, I think, in a wide position when you've actually got a, a striker and a number 10 in there. And we kind of deployed that against um, against Denmark. And yeah, she really shone, I think, in that role. Yeah, agree. Um, I think she definitely has to stay out wide. Um, and that, that's the question I was going to ask. It does, if, it does beg the question if Sam Kerr, obviously she, she got 20 minutes in the legs. Um, if she comes into the starting 11 in the next game, is it Emily Van Egmond that makes way and potentially see Mary Fowler in the 10? Has to be. Has to be Van Egmond, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, that's if she plays. I don't I don't reckon we play her. I, reckon I think we, they keep going. the same lineup. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. But if, if Sammy was to come in and start this game, uh, yeah, you would have to do that because Mary Fowler is too efficient as a number 10. I think she offers way more than EVE. And yeah, Caitlin Ford, as we said, is better out wide and you get that link-up play between Kerr forward and then you get Fowler doing what she does best in the middle. That's, uh, you know, that's foolproof. Yeah, um, I agree. I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue on the same path that they have been uh, with the lineup. But I just, I do still think that if Sam Kerr's fit enough to play 90 minutes in a World Cup quarterfinal, then she probably has to play. She's not though. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But just on the you know consensus mm. that maybe she is, 
She's got 20 minutes in the legs. If they decide, you know, now's the time to pull the trigger and she feels like she could play 90 minutes, I feel like yeah. she has to. It'd be whack if it went to 120, though, and then you end up losing Sam for, you know, the injury time and the, and the penalty shootout. So that's a that's a tough call that's going to come into this game. I reckon he stays safe. I I can see her sitting out again next one. I think the same lineup. Roll with it. They've been good enough to dispatch Canada pretty comfortably. Uh, Denmark, like you said, aside from the half chances too, probably just uh, Peniel Harder was the only one that really looked uh, dangerous and causing us some troubles. Um, that aside, they've kind of swept past both these teams now. And France, who did we beat before the tournament started in that game yeah. at Marvel? Yeah, yeah. friendly. Yeah, so uh, you know, it looks like we are we are playing France, aren't we? That's next. It, it looks yeah, like they've it. just they've just the winner of France goal. and Morocco, isn't it? Have mm-hmm. just put a fourth goal and as away. We, as so we record, France. France have just scored their fourth goal against Morocco. So <laughs> I can so I can see I can see Cooper with one eye. <laughs> he's got yeah, one he's, eye recording this. He's, he's always worried about the punt, that guy. He's he's just a deviant of all sorts. Um, but yeah, I, Saturday afternoon, four thirty, France. Oh, Sam Kerr sits out. I think same lineup, and they just trust them to go out and try and do it again. Yep. 100%. Uh, there were some excellent individual performances in this game. This was the one that I think I enjoyed the most. I got the like the most joy out of. Yeah. Because it felt, if, you know, stakes were high, everything was at risk. But after the the enforced Steph Catley break where we reset seemingly and scored, you know, 10 minutes later, it just felt comfortable from there in. And that was the, you know, the most in- enjoyable game that I've seen us play so far. She's been fantastic this tournament. I, I think I said it last week as well, but I'm big fan. Steph Catley has just been so solid. Um, just a real good leader too. Yeah, she's excellent. And there was that funny little um, to and fro between her and Sam when she come on, but who was going to wear the captain's armband? And she tried to give it to Sam Kerr and she was like, no, 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 you keep it on. And she was like, bitch, please, come on. What, what are you talking about? Sam put it on, didn't she? Before yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um. Anything else, Matildas? Uh, I thought Gorry and Cooney Cross were just fucking phenomenal again. Um, for for a two uh, woman midfield, that is really difficult to do when you come up against a side that's going to employ you know three in the midfield or or one dropping deep that's playing up front, and they do it so well together. Uh, you know, Minnie was just fantastic again, and um, the Mary Fowler pass was the most exquisite thing I think I've seen in this World Cup so far. Brilliant. Just the I thought she'd overdone it with the touch on the turn and then wanted a quicker release, but then knew exactly what she was doing all along and absolutely nailed the pass. Perfection. Yep. Yep. Icing on the cake with that. Uh, she beats seven players with that one pass. Yeah. Um, Ozil stuff. Mesut Ozil. Bring it. Takes me back. Um, great to see Ford on the score sheet too. Has copped a bit, especially from Cooper this tournament, but from a lot of people for perhaps not being at her best, but just, um, you know, really stood up last night attacking the full back and and using the ball well in the in the right positions or looking for the cutback when she needed to, shooting when she needed to. Um obviously got the goal. And Razo, what more can we say about her at the moment? Just uh turning it on. Three goals now this World Cup. What a time to turn it on just after your move to Real Madrid. You'll be Huge, so yeah. pleased to know you'll be so pleased to know, Sammy, uh that um Caitlin Ford won best on. And I'm sure it had nothing to do with the fact she scored the goal. <laughs> We're going to do this every game. <laughs> well, it happens every game. Why not? Yeah. Who was it? Who was best on? 
What for me or personally? Who do you think best on was best on for you? That's a really night. good question. Because I, I think Ford I is thought there probably... was four of them. Yeah. Give yeah, us a, I you, you... yeah, I said four. I reckon you can have four different players. Yeah, give us the four. Uh Gorry, Cooney Cross, Ford, and yeah, probably Mary Fowler. Okay. Cool. Cooper, yeah. you, you were going to say something? And, uh... Yeah, uh, Ford for me. I think yeah. she was – I agree with Tom that, though, they were probably the four best players on the pitch, but I think Caitlin Ford was a level above the other three. Yeah, absolutely. I think we owe a lot to our centre midfield pairing this tournament as well. They've been superb together. Um, all right. Sh- shall we uh, – do you want to do any predictions for France this week? Tough. Uh, Cooper, you're watching this game. How do they actually look? Like, are they okay? I They're can't. Okay. I can't work out whether – Morocco are just horrendous, or France are good. I think Probably France like, are okay. Yeah, I think a, a balance of both. They have some great players. Um, I think, I think we can do them. Yeah, I agree. Um, so do I. I don't think, I don't feel at this point that there's a team in this tournament that the Matildas can't beat if they go out and play their best football. Mm. I agree, fair. and you yeah. you said in the chat as well. Like this is the pass mark now uh, for everyone. We've made it for me. Everything is gravy. But all of a sudden, I'm building this expectation in my head that we will reach the final just yeah. by virtue of how everyone else is performing and the way that we've won the last two games. There's yeah. just there's just some some massive fish gone in this tournament already, um, and you know the Spain and the Netherlands are going to play each other, and one of them has to go. Japan and Sweden are going to play each other, and one yeah. of them has to go. You that know, this hard, is, that's a hard draw. That one. Yeah, it's it's. France, England, both beatable. And I mean, if you can get yourself through there, it's a winnable final. So the that's if the limit that's if England beat now. that's if England beat Colombia. Who that's that's not a sure thing. No, not at all. I would much rather play England, I think, than Colombia. <laughs> I, I disagree. Um, I think you, you sort of said that in the in the NSF chat earlier about this France Morocco game that you said you'd almost rather, you sort of alluded that you'd almost rather play France because you sort of know what to expect, whereas Morocco is more of a mm. we-don't-know-so-much game, but I, I think it's just wrong. I think you'd rather just play the weaker side, wouldn't you? Yeah, Morocco are bad. I would rather play them, but, um, <laughs> yeah, France, I think, definitely beatable for us as well. So super excited, pumped for that. Uh, like you said, a few of the big ones are already gone out, and one, I think that everyone wanted to talk about this week was the United States bowing out. Um, I didn't see this one because I was on a bus all the way back from Port Piri, but um, you boys certainly had an eye on it. don't know if you want yeah, to... We tuned in, didn't we, Cooper? No, we, we tuned in. Yeah, we did. Um, I said on last week's pod, I, I mean, pre-tournament, I said that I thought outside of the USA that Sweden were the team that could win this tournament. Um, now I doubled down on last week's pod and said I wouldn't have been surprised to see Sweden get rid of the US um, and they've gone and done it I potentially didn't think that they would have done it I mean this luckily um, I'm just you know sitting on this the game right up for the match at the moment and the headline for the match report is wasteful holders pay the price and I'm pretty sure yeah. that's the best way to sum this game up yeah 100% 100% Sweden have you know, got through this on the bare bones of their ass. There's no, there's really no way that they should have come in um, as quarterfinalists, but the US only have themselves to blame because, it, we, you know, with the amount of possession that they dominate and the shots on goal, I still felt there wasn't like a, a huge glut of chances that they had throughout the game though. And so it's, it's a tough one to say that Sweden 
maybe were so lucky, but you know, the manner that they end up winning the penalty shootout is uh it's just it's fantastic. The irony is just hot. There's a lot of distaste towards the uh the manager of the US team at the moment. Um, just for not necessarily the team he put out, but the way he handled his substitutions and and the things that he did potentially were a little bit arrogant. Um, potentially at all parts of this game, they just assumed the goal was eventually going to come and they were going to win this game. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Morgan had absolutely zero impact on this contest and was left on the pitch for nearly a hundred minutes whilst Trinity Rodman, who had four shots on target in 45 minutes of football was pulled in the 66th minute of the game for Lynn Williams. When potentially we should, should have seen Morgan come off then go to the faster combo of Williams and Rodman on the wings and move. So Sophia Smith, who was tipped by many to win the golden boot in this tournament and is an out and out number nine, um, for the Portland Thorns, who's played on the left side for the entirety of this tournament. So a near 40-year-old Alex Morgan can have a farewell tour in the number nine. Yeah, there was a couple of farewell tours going on. Um, it was, you know, I can see why the manager would lean towards experience in this kind of situation. Um, but, you you know, the squad composition is all wrong. Like you, if you're going to blood young talent, you need to incorporate them with the experience like adequately. And they didn't do that at all. It really did feel like a swan song tournament for a lot of these players. And like, did you see the um, press release that they put out after the game and how they, it was, you know, their comms team is very good. Obviously it's America. Um, But they pretty much stated that the standard that they created is now everyone else has caught up to them basically. And that they need to go on and extend the standard again. And I was just thinking the whole time, like this, to have that prepared and to bring it out so succinctly, it just didn't feel like a team that was ready to win the World Cup again. It was almost yeah. like this is what they kind of wanted for the narrative. Maybe not wanted, but uh, had already prepared the excuse mm. to just make ready to just lose to a, just to ease some of the emotion of it. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, I want to ask you about obviously in the wake of this result. There's been a lot of, um, not for the first time, but people really fucking hate Megan Rapino. Um, Don't they just? I wonder, like, I just, is it purely just because uh, salty, salty blokes and she's the face of, like, pushing, like, uh, women's pay and things like that? Or is there a genuine reason there for, to have a dislike for, Rapino. I'll jump in quick and say, yeah, that is the majority of it. Yes. It is yeah. like it is it is incels you know, who have yeah, exactly, have never really interacted with women before, getting upset that a woman is saying that she's worth the same as a man. There's definitely that aspect, but um I think Cooper makes a better argument as to you told a good story in the chat the other day about uh in the wake of them winning the World Cup recently. Yeah, um, I think there's an argument for both sides. I think there is genuine reasons to dislike Megan Rapinoe, but I think 95% of people that come out and publicly hate on her are salty, salty blokes, as Sam has just described them. Um, but no, there's a few a few things, you know, you can just see she she breathes arrogance and not the positive kind that you want athletes to be able to go out on the pitch and, and have arrogance to be gun footballers. Um, 
a few of her teammates that retired post the last World Cup win came out and said that they had felt that Megan had made the World Cup win all about herself, um, the way she handled herself in the public figure, and it just completely took away from the excitement and ruined the experience for a bunch of the players in that squad who just simply wanted to be celebrating a World Cup win. Mm. Um, and and I understand that it's it's a it's a fair point, and she's got every right to, you know, use a use this work the World Cup win as a platform to to try and get the equal pay and to say she deserves everything that that a bloke has. But then there's also the side where some of her teammates, you know, potentially you know, 19, 20 year old teammates just want to enjoy the fact that they're professional footballers and did something that 99.9% of the population mm-hmm. will never achieve. Um, and there's obviously that, I'm not sure if either of you have seen it, the video from um, the FIFA best celebrations from a few years ago, where that child went up to her with a little ball and she takes it out of his hand, takes the pen out of his hand, signs the ball for him and gives the ball back to him but at no point at all during the interaction does she actually look at the kid or speak to the kid. It's just like this this unerring level of arrogance that she has and it's not popular. Yeah, I get that. Um, I think there's there's a whole slew of sports people that are like that. Um, there's definitely an element that I think she definitely cops it more Um purely for the fact that she is a woman and she is pushing for that, you know, the, the pay and things like that. So she's, well, she's the face of that. And um, as we've seen with the recent, without getting too much into socio politics and things we've seen with the, the recent Barbie movie, how that's affected some really sensitive blokes out there, hasn't it? Um, Let's move it on. All right. Uh, The Aussies obviously play France this week. Like we just mentioned, USA are out. The world cup's heating up. So good to see it in Australia. But also starting this weekend, we've got the Premier League. It's back. Um, I know everyone's super pumped for it. We always get real excited. I can't wait. And then I'm going to be super pissed off with the Premier League about by about quarter to nine, maybe nine o'clock Saturday night when Arsenal are are 1-0 down to Nottingham Forest. And I'll be just, uh, I'll be over it already. But we do have a night shift fantasy league once again. Todd's Flogs won it last year. Our mate Todd from the Heaps About Nothing podcast. Go check that out if you like. But he won it last year, was top all season, um, untouchable. Got through, got a trophy. So if you go to our Facebook page, you'll see him with his trophy, having a swig out of it. It's a nice looking thing. You too can get yourself a nice piece of silverware or a cup with a, a, a piece of paper, sticky tape to it with the writing on it. Um, no plastic. It's authentic. No it's authentic. Yeah. It's authentic, it's authentic that way. I feel like it, it means more when you handwrite it. Absolutely. Um, so we've got that. We've also, yeah, no, that's it. So, yeah, if you want to go join the <laughs> Fantasy League, um, the code is YE4JWM. But once again, you can find that on our Facebook page, on the social medias. All right. So get around them. Hell yeah. Um, it was it was good to see Todd taking the swig out of it. I think we should leave it like unwashed and so that everyone can contribute their own sense of you know, historic memorabilia to the oh, trophies. Okay. No, gets well, I was, was going to give this season's winner a new trophy. Not, I wasn't going to take back his. And no, 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 we got to take it back. You want to take it back? That's in the contract. Yeah, no, no, we got to take it back. Okay, that, Todd, we, we've Todd doesn't know this yet. <laughs> That'll be we can we can film it. That'll be part of it. Brilliant. We pried right. out of his dead hands. His dead hands. We have to kill him to take it back now. It's always well, just getting more hectic as we go. I imagine he'll defend himself. 
He seems like the kind of guy. Yeah, he will. He's got that gall of fight in him. Um, well, he better right. just win it then. He better just win it again. Back to back. Premier League, let's go. We were going to do the old, Um, I don't know. We've done it the last couple of seasons. The old, uh, Who's going to finish top four? Who's going to be the leading goal scorer? But, you know, <laughs> you can hear a hundred different shitty pods that are probably better or worse, I don't know, than ours worse. doing that worse. Um, worse than ours doing that. We, we don't want to hear that. It's boring. We all know which six teams are going to battle for the Champions League spots. We all know City are going to win the league. We all know Highland's going to score the most goals unless he gets injured. Boring, all right? So we've got some categories we're going to go into. We're going to, um, we've got some awards for the year. Uh, we're going to name who we think will win that award. And I'll start us off with this one, the Dudrick. It's back. The Chelsea hate is back and the season hasn't started. Of course, the Dudrick is named after Mikhailo Mudrick um, from Chelsea who joined and was just an absolute flop. So we're looking for who the biggest flop of the season is going to be. Uh, biggest new new signing flop, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. Who have you got for me, Tommy? Has to have arrived this transfer window. Has to have arrived this transfer window. The Mine, Dudrick. The Dudrick. Mine can't. We, uh, we could do it again in January. Anyway. Sure. Mine has to be, and it seems like an obvious one, um, but it might even be a little bit harsh given his age, but Rasmus Hoyland. Okay. If you're going to come in to the Premier League, command a £70 million uh, pound fee, uh, there must be some kind of expectation of return. Yeah. No, fair. I, um, I think I said last week that I quite like... The guy, I didn't know he was going to cost 70-odd mil, though. That's um, sheesh. And that it, might be because of the the striker transfer market at the moment. Perhaps, um, yeah, the numbers would suggest he's probably not worth that. But um, I do like him, and who knows, but big expectations. Um, to, uh, Cooper, what have you got? Um, you're going to hate this one, Sam. Here we go. Oh, here when we I go. first, when I I know first what say is. it. And you're going to think it's for reasons that it's not. Um, I'm going to go with the biggest new signing flop will be Sandro Tonali. Wow. Um, and the reason Fuck you're going to you, think man. that is because you're going to think that I'm going to do the old, oh, he's coming from the Serie A and it's just not as good as the Premier League and it's just going to be too fast for him and just going to exactly be too what physical you're doing. for him. But it's not. The reason that I think or... he's going to be the biggest flop of the season is because he simply doesn't want to fucking be there. <laughs> He doesn't. Yeah, maybe he doesn't want to be he doesn't. there. He doesn't want to be there. His missus is more interested. Um, is that really you? Really think he doesn't want to be there, and he's not going to perform because of that? And that's the reason. Yeah, genuinely. Um, okay. he doesn't. It's you don't know for starters. It's hard for fuck whether it's they're coming from Italy and how physical and fast and brilliant every person under the sun likes to think the Premier League is going to be. Moving to a new club and playing in a new system is difficult anywhere in the world. And it's got to be 10 times harder when you don't want to be there in the first place. Mm. Yeah. This is hard. This is harsh news because I was going to put him into our fantasy team, Sam, because I have a mean? feeling he's he's going to take all the set pieces for Newcastle and he's going to rack up a buttload of points. He's going to take all the set pieces from Newcastle off Kieran Trippier, who was the best set piece taker in the league last season. Yeah. And Tonali was the best in Serie A. They've got weapons, man, over the dead ball. I think Tonali's going to be great, and I'm really annoyed at you, Cooper. Um, <laughs> I told you you were going to hate it. <laughs> I also think that the new system, et cetera, et cetera, I think that's 
um, that has less of an impact the further back the field you go. You know, so if you're playing at centre-back or if you're playing as a deep midfielder like Tonali Will, I think it's more of a winger, attacking mid, striker type thing where that can become more of a concern. It still is a factor, of course, but I'm just clutching at a straw here to try and tell you that Tonali will be good. And I, really I thought annoyed at you. when thinking about it, one thing that nearly kept me away from putting him down was his life and adapting to, to this play style in this league is going to be made so much easier by having Joel Linton next to him, who just does a ridiculous amount of running. So True. Tenali might just be able to to just sit in his hole and play passes. That literally just may be the entire reason that he's there. Okay. Tell me tell me you don't know Sandra Tenali without telling me. <laughs> Done. All right. Um, he runs a lot. Uh mine is oh, I thought about this. I had two nominations. One was Mahmoud Dahoud coming from um Dortmund to Brighton, but I've left him aside and I'm going with another guy that's come over from Syria, and it's Justin Clivett. Um, who I believe has oh, gone. Here we go. Oh, where's he gone? I've lost it. Oh, no. Sammy, this is my type of area. I literally lost. I literally lost it. He went to Bournemouth. Um, and my note that I've got here is he's just not good. Like, he's just at all? not good. Like, you look at this guy's goal record, 5-53 in 53 for Roma, 3-19 in 19 for RB Leipzig, 4-27 in 27 for Nice, Six in 26 for Valencia. Um, he's not that good. And I think Bournemouth are a team that are really going to struggle. And he is, I don't think he can have the sort of impact without better players around him. I can't see how he's going to be any better in a team like Bournemouth with even worse players around him than what he's had at Roma or at Leipzig uh, or at Nice even, you know? So this, um, this is excellent because it ties into the Bournemouth manager coming out and saying that they want to play a more expansive type of football this season. They don't want to Jeez. just lock in and hold a result. They want to go out and compete. And so yeah. this could play. Is he a striker? I thought he was a winger. He's a winger, yeah. Winger, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So those numbers, those numbers aren't as horrendous I, as if he was a striker, but yeah. I just want to query a little here bit go. here. Just a just a general interest of... No, just a general <laughs> interest here <laughs> is that Tom's obviously gone Hoyland. Um, massive price tag. I've gone to Nali, most expensive signing in Newcastle history. Clivert went to Bournemouth for 11 million euros. What does a Premier League player worth <laughs> 11 million euros have to do in a yeah, season to, be, a to be to be considered as a flop? Like, how genuinely bad do you have to be if you only cost 11 million euros in today's market to be considered a flop? Um, for a in a market like Bournemouth. What have they been up now though? Three seasons? Surely yeah. they've got the funds now that they can like. like, I just think, like if Justin Clivert comes in and starts every game for Bournemouth and scores eight goals, he probably oh, does massive price tag. Like, mm. and it's just, it's just not a mm. lot. Well, they have spent, um, what have they spent? They've spent 20, 35, about 40, 40 to 50 mil on players this season. So um, we'll see how they go. A couple of others they got in from Syria and Relatively all other as well. Um, Is that so, you just trying to trend away from Kai Havertz being the biggest flop of the season? No, well, he was already in the Premier League, wasn't he, you dope? God, don't you know the rules of your own game? <laughs> Moving on. This brings me to my next one, actually, which is um, we've got the Ranieri, of course, named after Claudio Ranieri. And... 
With little disrespect to the man, he has won the Premier League, but he has also been sacked a record eight times. Um, and my nomination for this award is also at Bournemouth, and it is Andoni uh, Iriola, the new manager coming in from Rayo Vallecano. Um, he wants to play an expansive football, to which to me uh, rings alarm bells when you've got the squad he has. If it doesn't work, and I, I, I'm not, I don't want this to happen. I would. I like the idea of a manager coming into a team like Bournemouth and deciding they need to try and play football. Um, you know, I don't want to see more dice shit like we put up with Burnley for years. I want to see teams try. I just think it is um, in the current landscape of football with how quickly they are to fire managers when things aren't going your way. If you're trying to play a, a new style of football that's attacking and you want to try and score goals, you can easily come undone quickly. And you can easily find yourself out of a job quickly. So I hope it doesn't happen, but he's my nomination for the the first manager to be sacked. That's a really good shout, given what they did with Scotty Parker and then what they did with Gary O'Neill. Like, uh, the first one's probably justified. The second one is not whatsoever. Um, yep. Ariola, he was linked with Leeds when we were trying to sack Jesse Marsh, but he didn't want to come. He wanted yep. to come at the end of the season. We got relegated. Um, there's a lot of Bielsa likeness to the guy in the way that he doesn't care who he plays. He's just going to play his own football. Yeah. And so, yeah, it'll be, it, that'll be fun to watch, but that's, that's a great call because his odds to get sacked, uh, we, we'd try not to do this, but I think in this market, I would be putting a little bit on that, Sammy, if you want. Lovely. Who's yours? Mine is a little bit more conventional. Um, uh, I, I think it's going to be David Moyers. Okay, it's, it's kind of dependent on whether or not they they can secure a target uh, signing with the rice money. Yeah, um, it's looking increasingly difficult, but uh, it seems like there's movement being made with an Ajax central defensive midfielder. I don't know. Uh, look, they won a European Cup, but the guy was under scrutiny pretty much the entire season. And I can see if they, uh, you know, four or five results into the first international window don't go well, I reckon he'll be the first to go. Yeah, survived by the skin of their teeth as well, and now with no rice, there's a lot of a lot of uh, pressure is going to fall onto a uh, poor old Jared Bowen, I think. Um, Cooper, who have you got? I also have David Moyes. David um, Moyes out the door first. Yeah, I think they're going to be a big slider. I think they're going to struggle with a step up in European football, um, and they're just going to, you know, I think they're going to be in serious relegation trouble this season, yeah. potentially as well, and it, it might just be a move that has to happen early um i know you just made a comment about the rice money i don't know if we either of you saw yesterday uh early or sorry early hours of this morning actually that west ham had put a 55 million pound bid in for man united pair harry Maguire and scott mctominay oh jesus oh my god that's not going through is it surely if you could get 30 mil for Maguire, that is insanity yeah it is. Um, it's, it, how much does it improve West Ham having those two players? I don't know. I, I think McTominay, I, I think, is a great pick. Yeah, I think he potentially Ham. improves West Ham's midfield significantly I'm, from where it is now without Rice. I'm not convinced still that United could afford to lose McTominay, to be honest. Interesting. Who have they signed in there? It's a good. Oh. It's a good shout. He scored a decent chunk of goals from midfield there. Sam's just, you know, Sam's, Sam's heart's racing at the the fact that he might not be able to say McFred at some point next season <laughs> if Man United yeah. let him go. Um, there's no way those two play in a Man United show together next season. Yeah, what are the odds on that? There's not a chance. No round three. Um, 
Yeah, all right. So what what have we got there? We had um Moyes, Moyes. Moyes, Moyes, and Areola. All right. Yeah. The next one, and <laughs> it feels like I'm really picking on Bournemouth tonight, but this one <laughs> it's oh, really relating, eh? Tommy, you suggested an award uh to give to the team, or not really an award, is it? It's more just a it's still an award. The team that you will probably never ever tune into, um, which I called the Bournemouth, which yeah, it could have been the was, Brentford. It could have been the Brentford. Um, even though Brentford are okay to watch, um, it just for some reason or whatever you never want to tune into this team. Um, I didn't want to just pick on Bournemouth again, and at the moment, uh, it was a toss up between Palace and Fulham. Uh, I'm going with Fulham this year, um, purely the aesthetics. Craven Cottage is not exciting. The white kits with black shorts is not exciting. It bores me. It puts me to sleep. I don't have time for it. And so Fulham are the team that I'll probably never watch this season. So that's like conversely to me because I have fond memories of Fulham, Craven Cottage under lights early in the morning before you went to school. And so whatever Premier League game is on. And so I have good memories of Fulham doing that. Um but I, I kind of get it because they are a little bit dull. So what are you going to do? Uh, the shit, yeah. 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 Well, what's yours? <laughs> Mine's going to be uh, a relegation candidate. It's Sheffield United. Sheffield various, United. Sheffield United. Various Leeds-related reasons. Okay. All right. We had to endure a pool hecking bottom reign of terror at our club. Yeah. And I just, I cannot see this guy translating what he was able to do in the championship into the Premier League. Um, and there's no fucking way I'm spending valuable hours of my life watching this shit get relegated. Perfect. I love it. Cooper, what's yours? Um, I was inches away from going Luton because I have a feeling yeah. that I'm going to watch Luton. Ooh, I have a feeling that I'm going to watch Luton on the opening day of the season mm. and then never watch them again. You don't want to be but, that guy, do you? But, you but, then, I, but then I realised that watching Luton on the opening day would mean I watch them once, which is once more than I'm going to watch Everton this season. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good shout. <laughs> good shout. <laughs> yeah. I have Liverpool... Preference aside, I've never wanted to see a team go down so bad because they are just fucking putrid to watch. Yes, this yeah, is Sean the season they go down. down too. Oh, yeah. it's the bad, isn't it? Oh, Dice the maniac in charge of that shit. Oh, this is the season they go down, and I'm gonna take every enjoyment that I can out of it. All right, the next one I've got, uh, we've got this was another one by you, Tommy. The the Miguel Almiron award. This is more of it. We've done lots of negative. This is a more positive one. The Miguel Almiron. For the most improved player uh, from last season, Almiron was fantastic last season. And previous to that, I thought he was absolutely hopeless. Um, mm. You and Jack Grealish. Who is your most appro- most improved for this season? Who's it going to be? Uh, I say this through gritted teeth. <laughs> Here we go. I don't, I, I don't want it to happen for obvious reasons, but this is a make or break season for Jaden Sancho. Okay. Yeah. A player of this guy's immense quality. Yeah, he cannot continue to like throw out half performances and like dabble in inconsistency like he has. His um, his highlight reel and watching him week in week out play for Dortmund was was just an absolute joy, and he just looks a shell of that player. So that's a great shout. He's um he's been utilized in preseason as a false nine, I think, because they're waiting for the Hoyland thing to come through and get him okay. fit and everything. Um, do you re- have you ever seen him play in that position? Could that work? Uh, he's 
technically good enough. I don't know what his positioning and things is like, but um, mm-hmm. I just always loved seeing him out in the wing because he could just skin players and get great balls in and score from angles. So, yeah, seems interesting not to have him wide, but whatever works. I hope he – I would love – I you know, we all hate United on this pod, but I'd love to see Sancho <laughs> doing well. Yeah. Cooper? Yep, ditto. Yeah. Um, I have gone with – Tom's going to hate this because when we were giving out the Dudrick Award before, he, he muttered his name. Um, but oh, I'm going to I'm gonna go my most improved player in the league this season is going to be Kai Havertz. Oh, I'm not going to hate it. Okay, I, I like it. Go he on. is a fantastic player coming off the back of one bad season in a horrendous team going into a Mikel Arteta system that's going to suit him a million times better. He's going to play in a position that he actually can genuinely play in with a bunch of more technically gifted footballers around him, and he's going to thrive. And he's going to give Arsenal so much depth in attacking positions that they lacked last season. Nice. That's a great call. Um, Mine was also going to be Kai Havertz. And (laughs) now, though, I don't... Like Cooper has already said what I was going to say, but at least now I don't have to pretend to believe that because <laughs> I am so it's reinforced. Fearful. I'm so fearful that he could also have a Dudrick here, um, oh. but I just <laughs> have to believe that I'm trusting in Arsenal's recruitment process and that they've got the player they want for a reason and that he is going to be good. I watched him play for Leverkusen for a while and yeah, it's in there. Let's hopefully he can get it out. And so it's a big gamble, but I'm going with Kai Havertz as well as my mm. armor on. Okay. Did you did you see him in the Community Shield? A couple of guilty. No, nah, well, I've heard Roy Keane and others talk <laughs> shit about it. I'm not interested. Did anyone see any of the Community Shield? Who cares? Um, The next one. Now, this is a long-named award, but it is the Jason Statham circa 1985 to 1992 pre-acting career, um, mid-diving career award for... <laughs> The player who is going to dive or flop the most. And I'm just going to straight out say Mo Salah. Oh, big call. Cooper, that's all you, baby. Yeah, um, well, I've gone Richarlison off the oh. basis that I didn't want to say Mo Salah. And I thought <laughs> if I say Richarlison, <laughs> Sam will jump on the back of it and just forget about Mo Salah. Yeah, nice. Brilliant. <laughs> well, too bad I've to it, Mo Salah. Tommy? They're both stinking rats, aren't they? Um, mine maintaining the rage. Mine's Anthony. This is there's not nice, a footballer yeah. in England with less redeeming qualities than this man. He's <laughs> like a, a lethal, ball. a lethal combination of narcissism and inflated, self-evaluated ability. Yeah, that's so good. That's I such s- a great shout. I still see that lion celebration that he did oh. after his first goal oh, in my nightmares. God. Between that and Richarlison's pigeon, I just I fucking tell you. Um, you know what? I reckon Richarlison could be a redemption arc under Ange. I reckon he's going to sort this dude out. There is a player, isn't in there, isn't there? There's a player. You've just got to sort the mentality yeah. out, and if he can break him and turn him into a Labrador, man, lovely. It's just I saw like some nice pieces on. Is it potentially just how bad Spurs are that doesn't help Richarlison off the back of how good his World Cup was? Oh, maybe. He seems like a dickhead. Yeah, I think he's a loser, so he's I don't want to give dickhead. him that much credit. <laughs> All right. Well, a few of you might have him in this one as well. I think this is our last one, but the very recently named after Monday night's events, uh, the Lauren James most unnecessary red card of the year. 
Who's going to get the most unnecessary red card or have the biggest tantrum get sent off? This is a, this is a tough one because, uh, mm. like, have you seen that there's going to be a crackdown on dissent and time-wasting? Well, which brings me to Alexander Mitrovic. Hey, that's your choice. That's a fucking great call. It's going to be someone that combines the two. Yeah. So Mitrovic, Fulham, got eight games last year. for What he, like, pushed a ref? Like, guy's a psycho. Um <laughs> It's a great point. Yeah. Who have you got? I, look, this was tough because like the biggest culprit of both of these things for me last season was Newcastle. But yep. they are not going to be the first to be punished for this. It's going to be like some poor schmucks like fucking Luton or Burnley or, you know, someone that didn't deserve it. Looking at last season, Wolves had six red cards. And so I've got um, Craig Dawson on the opening day against Manchester. Nice. Uh, for like molesting a barely legal Ganacho. Okay, that's full on. All right, that's a good shout, actually. Don't mind it. Um, Cooper, I would like you to tell me yours, but I would also like you, as an England sympathiser or someone who pretended to be full-blooded English during the Ashes, um, despite being born and raised and bred here, right here in South Australia, uh, Mm -hmm. God's country, I would like you to also tell me what the fuck Lauren James was thinking last night when... She stepped on the Nigerian defender or midfielder, whoever it was. Yeah, um, simply pro- she probably wasn't thinking. Um, David Beckham-esque. If England win this World Cup, she will not play another part of it. She will miss three games. Will she? And I, I oh, believe you wait. So. They'll give her one. It's They'll fucking gonna give be, her one. It's going to be interesting. I saw a, a piece for... In one of the early games, I haven't seen it, and I can't remember off the top of my head what which country or who it was. Um, but there was a player who kicked out at the end of a challenge less obvious than this, and was just given three games. It was Nigeria flat. Nigeria, there you go. Um, three games flat. So it'll be interesting if they stay consistent and Lauren James cops the three games and misses the rest of the tournament, or will they give her? a bit of leniency and, and just give her one. How upset and irate are you going to be on the Twitter account, Tom, if she gets one and then scores a winner against Australia in a semi-final? Uh, it's going to be full-blown meltdown, man. She Three. It has to be three. England only have one game left anyway, so it doesn't matter. Who is your Lauren James? Who's getting you a Lauren James most unnecessary uh-huh. red card nomination? Um, Yeah, so as Tom said, crackdown on dissent this year. Um. Whether it remains to be seen whether that actually occurs or they went like ham in the, the they went the ham in the championship, man. They did, yeah. I I did see there was a lot of cards for descent in the championship first weekend. Um, and because of that, I've gone for the biggest, whingiest, sookiest rat in the entire world, Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> nice, yes. great shout. Um, best call of the night, I reckon. That's great, Bruno. He deserves every bit he gets. I hope he gets a bunch. It's just such a rat. Um. When you said that, uh, the crackdown on dissent, I also was thinking, like, someone like Jurgen Klopp would want to, yes. you know, take it easy. They are, po- they um, are policing technical areas more. Yeah. Sean Dyche. Um, Sean Dyche is back to haunt the poor tea lady. Um, but who knows? All right. Do we have anything else? Premier League? Well, no. Who's going to win it? City. 
Who's yeah. going to be top scorer? Harlem. We're not. Yeah. We're not interested in those, are we're not we? Doing All right. Um, I've just got a few final notes. Obviously, we talked some signings last season. I'm just going to quickly run through what I've got here. All right. So going through, Aston Villa signed Pau Torres from Villarreal, which is probably a good sign. 25, 26 year old defender coming into his prime. Um, Villa have been slowly building a really nice squad there on paper. We've we talked about it last season, even the season before, as they started to build. They've also got Tielemans in for free from Leicester. Uh, Leicester Crazy. going down has probably really helped that. And Musa Diaby joins from Bayer Leverkusen, who uh, Aston Villa signed Leon Bailey from Leverkusen a few seasons ago, and he had almost an exact same record that was like 120-odd games or 130 games and... 20-odd goals, 30 goals, okay? So he joins with a pretty similar record. It looks like they're trying to do it again. Um, Diaby looks like he's probably got a higher ceiling than Leon Bailey. I guess that's what they're gambling on there. Um, Brentford signed Mark Flecken, who I had in my rest of world team when we picked our players of the season last year. He kept the most clean sheets in the Bundesliga. They've got him for a measly 11 million, and it's because they're trying to cash in on Raya, the other goalkeeper, and sell him for 40 to 50. Um, Chelsea had 28 players leave. That's the only note I've got on them. Palace, they've lost Zaha. I think they're in big, big trouble. They brought in Jefferson Lerma from Bournemouth. They also got Mateus Franca, who they paid 20-odd mil for, a 19-year-old from Flamengo. Um, I'm not sure that historically buying a 19-year-old from the Brazilian league has ever resulted in an immediate impact Premier League player, and I feel like Palace Mm. need immediate impact Premier League players. They are not good. They have a pretty threadbare squad, as it was last season, um, that we talked about, carried by a few really exciting players, you know, Elise and Eze, um, but now take Zaha out of that as well for free as well. It's it's grim. Looks grim for them. Uh, they're going to have Roy Hodgson at the helm too. That's also grim. Um, the Ox has been let go by Liverpool. Oxlade-Chamberlain, slim pickings it seems. He's got nothing really on his radar and said that he will he will have a look at the offer from Besiktas. So <laughs> not exactly a queue of clubs lining up for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. I'd imagine wages are an issue there and he probably wants too much money my last note is finally finally the Alan San Maximum thing is over he's gone he's into the Saudi Arabian League I don't need to watch him do 20 stepovers before missing a target again this season and then watching him score one banger every 12 weeks and everyone rave about him again so that's all over do with that what you will I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on any of that stuff that banger was worth it Every every time he stepped out, you thought this would be it. This would be the nah. time that he does it. Nah, fucking worth it. Especially if he's not in your team. Obviously, I wouldn't want him playing for my club because <laughs> what a what a ridiculous footballer. He's got like Adele Tarabt vibes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's anything- gonna he's gonna be that guy on Twitter in six years under the the streets will never forget. Yeah, tweets. Yeah, he literally he? will. He literally will. Um, I just be guys that are twenty four on Twitch. Yeah, two, two of those points um, on Aston Villa making some good signings and having Emery at the helm still with a bit of time under him now. So an interesting take from someone the other day saying that Aston Villa could potentially keep the most clean sheets in the Premier League this season. Okay, um, based on what? And I, I that take. Based on that, Manchester United only needed 17 out of 38 to claim the title last year. Villa's 
defense is good and Emery plays a good defensive system. I agree. I've got Villa top six. Very nice. Very good. Um, my other comment on one of those points that you wanted to make is Chelsea have somehow spent what nearly a billion dollars on transfers, let 28 players go and still only have Romelu Lukaku as a striker option going into the opening week of the Premier League season with uh, Christopher and Kunku ruled out for three and a half months with a knee injury. What a ridiculous football team. They're linked with Tyler Adams right now. Do you really yeah. you really want to sign Tyler Adams? Seriously? Um, the, my favourite part of this is that Chelsea are currently holding talks over a possible direct swap move, Vlahovic for Lukaku. Oh, great oh. move. Oh, great move. I had I've I've read a few things about Vlahovic and you know the there's obviously the Kane transfer is holding up the transfer market at the moment. Same thing with Mbappe as well. But if you could get Vlahovic for um for, for free, essentially, for Lukaku, I would take that every day of the week. Good shot. Um are we done? They can do it. Palace survive. Palace survive. Palace survive. Okay. Yeah, I think I was looking at it before and just off off air before we started recording Santa Cooper that it looks again like some teams like your West Ham's, your Palaces just might be lucky enough that there's just enough other shit teams again <laughs> that That's might get them out. Um, yeah. Do you want to do a bottom bottom three? What do you reckon? Oh, uh, no, I haven't. I thought about it. I just couldn't do it. I didn't know who to lock in. It's, it's yeah. grim. It's all it's we'll see what Sheffield happens. United definitely. Um, <laughs> you want Sheffield? All good. <laughs> um, yeah, all back this week. So uh, Champions League's been underway for a little while as well with qualifiers. They're heating up a bit more this week. There's some bigger names getting involved, like your Galatasaray, your Marseille, Panathinaikos, and then Championship obviously got underway on the weekend. As did the uh, the other league, like League One, League Two. <laughs> Wrexham got battered. Love to see it. Um, Oh, just quick, yeah, Sammy, sorry. If you want to talk about the leagues, uh, see Cassini Yangi scored a, a last-minute equaliser for Pompey. I didn't see that. How good? How good? Did you ever have him down as scoring equalisers in the last minute in League One club? No, I didn't. No way. I think that's crazy. I reckon that's brilliant on him, but yeah, fucking yeah, same. I never had that. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, 4.30 Saturday morning, Burnley host Manchester City in the first game, then 9 o'clock. Beautiful, night, a beautiful Saturday night, 9 p.m. Uh, kickoff time slot. I love that for us here in uh, in Adelaide. Arsenal hosting Nottingham Forest. Uh, but, yeah, it's all back. Let's go. Um, get around us on the socials. Join that. Join the Fantasy League. Go check it out on the page. You'll find the code. Jump in it. You get a shout-out if you finish with the most points that week. You get a big trophy. You get a look at it. It's got a piece of paper stuck to it. It's the best. Um, it's anything best. else from you two? No, go the Tillies up Saturday night. Yeah, brilliant. Tilda's on Saturday afternoon. Let's get that done. Beauty. All right. Have a great week, folks. See you later.